I am choosing not to get worked up over a Tuesday night loss to the Nashville Predators because it's a fairly meaningless game. Let's talk about it on today's podcast as well as answer some of your mailbag questions. Your Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren. And this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, and I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Bruins part of your day every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. On the show today, we're going to talk about last night's loss to the Nashville Predators. Going to answer a couple of mailbag questions about the playoff lineup and uh, look ahead to what is coming up through the rest of the week. First, a quick reminder that you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, at LockedNHLBruins. And you can find me, my dad jokes, and hockey tweets, at Ian C. McLaren. Last night at TD Garden, the Bruins had the opportunity to clinch the President's Trophy, as well as set a new club all-time record for single-season wins, neither of which happened as a result of a 2-1 loss to the Nashville Predators. Very unfortunate result, but one that I'm not getting worked up about. The Bruins are still 57, 12, and 5. Their schedule this month has been jam-packed, and these things happen. UC Saros in the Nashville net stood strong. If you had him on your playoff fantasy team, you're no doubt upset that David Pasternak scored his 52nd goal literally the last second. Patrice Bergeron, the leader after the game, said they just didn't play their game. They didn't play to their standard, and that's the result you're going to get. doesn't matter how good you are. You have to respect how you want to play the game. And last night was one of those nights where they kind of did it to themselves. No disrespect to Nashville. He said they played a great game. They did what they had to do, but they, the Bruins, just didn't execute. And that's what you're going to get. The Bruins matching Nashville in goals scored on goaltenders. The game-winning goal ended up being an empty netter scored by former Bruin Jeremy Lozon. Brad Marchand also said the Bruins did not respect the game, but he also lamented what's been a very strenuous schedule with 12 games over the past 19 days. 
probably the toughest schedule he's ever seen or been part of. But the Bruins also kind of took the Predators lightly. They got up four games that they could potentially face down the road. You know, they came out literally swinging against Tampa Bay on Saturday. They beat Columbus with a depleted line, or sorry, Carolina with a depleted lineup on Sunday. And Marshawn said they were a bit disrespectful of the game against the Predators. Fatigue came into it. They're going to run into situations where they're tired moving forward and they still have to be able to show up. So they learn from it and move on. Jim Montgomery added they're going into their fifth straight week of four games in five days. You're going to have peaks and valleys with your energy levels. Trying to monitor it as best as they can, but the schedule is unforgiving right now. And they're going to lay eggs every once in a while. That's just going to happen over the course of an 82-game season. Saros especially strong in the third period. Boston outshot the Predators 16-4 to in that final frame. But um, they just uh, couldn't finish things off. They couldn't get it past him. Better in the third period for sure, but too little, too late. And again, if there's one unfortunate takeaway from this one again, it was the lack of success on the power play. The Bruins went 0 for 5 on the man advantage. And if there's one thing that's, you know, somewhat concerning heading into the playoffs, it's that inefficiency with the man advantage as of late. Sorry, I thought it was Lozon who scored the empty netter. It was actually Cole Smith from Lozon. Anyways, the Bruins went 0 for 5 on the man advantage. Jim Montgomery said they've tried to change it up quite a bit in the last month. Change isn't always the answer, although it seems like the easiest to answer. It's players committing to doing the right thing. Bruins didn't have their A game overall last night. It wasn't just the power play that stunk, but... It's magnified because of the recent failures. Um, People are trying to be perfect out there, he said. They don't get success right away. They're not recovering pucks. That's when you know you're not playing fast on the power play. They take a shot. They're not on the rebound. Pucks cleared. And... Just feels a bit disjointed and disconnected, Bergeron noted. Bruins are trying to force plays, too often failing to generate follow up opportunities. They have to go back to hard and simple. Same thing five on five. The power play is no different. You have to work for loose pucks, retrieve pucks. When you're one and done, it's hard to capitalize on chances. Bruins will have another chance to clinch the President's Trophy, and secure that 58th win of the season on Thursday night against Columbus. Um, They can clinch the top seed with a win over the Blue Jackets or a Carolina loss to Detroit. Again, not getting too worked up about it. You're going to lay an egg every once in a while. The schedule has been strenuous. The Bruins will finally get a bit of a reprieve next week when they have an extra day off uh, with uh, no 
game between Sunday and Thursday. And then it's a game every other night until the end of the regular season with the playoffs scheduled to start on the 17th of April, I believe. So, again, the power play needs to get on track. That's one thing I'm somewhat worried about heading into the postseason, although we remember 2011, they didn't score a power play goal in the entire first round. But still, you want that to be firing at least once per game, um, especially during the postseason. We're going to talk about the postseason lineup here in a moment. But first, a quick word about today's sponsor, which is the FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network, and it's America's number one sportsbook. The NCAA tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. Right now, FanDuel is giving customers a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, sign up today, and claim that no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which teams will be cutting down the net, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up and make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, I got a few mailbag questions that trickled in uh, as of late through DMs on Facebook as well as on Instagram. Uh, Caleb Fryers asked, can you do a pod on who you think are 12 skaters and six defense? Two goalies will be in the playoffs. Obviously, we know it's going to be Swayman and Omark, and we'll talk about the goaltending situation. Uh, next. But when it comes to playoff, 12 skaters, six defensemen, A, let's assume everybody is healthy. And this is how I would do it. Obviously, top line, not making any changes there. You have Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Jake DeBrusque on the top line. Bruins also unlikely to mess with the check mix line, the check mates line, however you want to refer to it. Pavel Zaka, David Krejci, and David Pasternak. Top six locked in. When it comes to the bottom six, well, that's where you need to take into account uh, some injured players and whether or not they will be back. Let's start with Taylor Hall. Uh, There was a report on TSN last night via Darren Drager that Hall is ready to play but can't because of the team's current salary cap restraints, meaning they don't have the space to activate him. Um, Should be an easy fix just by placing Felino or Derek Forbort on LTIR and activating Hall. Head coach Jim Montgomery was asked about this last night. He said, the only thing I can say is that I know Hall is not cleared to play. That's what he knows. So to him, that report is false. Um, You know, there's 
some speculation or whatever that the Bruins are trying to circumvent the salary cap by keeping Hall on the sidelines. His injury allowed them to deal for Tyler Bertuzzi on top of Forbort and Felino being out. Um, this only raises more eyebrows as to whether or not they're purposely keeping him sidelined, activate him for the playoffs when salary cap doesn't matter. Dreger uh, said specifically that they know, according to reports and videos, that Hall has been skating with the Bruins for several days. Sources say he feels he's ready. The problem is the Bruins don't have the cap space to activate him. The NHL playoffs are less than three weeks away, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Bruins manage this situation. Or if, like the Tampa Bay Lightning a few years ago with Nikita Kucherov, Nikita Kucherov, they try to stretch it out until the start of the postseason. Certainly, if Hall is clearly ready and they keep him sidelined, they're going to be called out for that. And the NHL already said that they were going to keep a close eye on possible cap circumvention following trade deadline moves. But really, it's a pretty easy fix. If the Bruins were to activate Hall today, all they have to do is have Forbort placed on LTIR. And he's out for the remainder of the regular season. So it doesn't matter. That along with Felino remaining on injured reserve, would keep the Bruins under the cap. So, having said all that, let's assume Hall is healthy for Game 1. I'd be putting him on the third line, along with Charlie Coyle and Tyler Bertuzzi. And what a third line that is. I... I dare you to find a better third line around the NHL. Let's say Felino's healthy as well. I'm putting him on the fourth line with Thomas Noshik and Trent Frederick. Actually, dang, this is going to be a tough call. I probably would actually go Frederick, Noshik, Hathaway, who you count now because he has been a very effective fourth liner for the Boston Bruins. Felino starts as the extra skater. You maybe bring him in at some point to take out Noshik or Frederick. But those would be my 12 with Felino serving as the 13th forward. AJ Greer, Jacob Lauko, as reserves, Lauko injured at the moment anyways. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody there. So Bergeron, Marshawn, DeBrusque, Zaka, Krejci, Pasternak, Hall, Coyle, Bertuzzi, Frederick, Noshik, Hathaway, Nick Foligno as the 13th forward. On defense, let's assume Derek Forbord is healthy. I don't know about the pairings, but my top six would be McAvoy, Lindholm, Orlov, Carlo, uh, Forbort, Clifton, 
and then probably Grizzlick as the seventh guy. I personally would have Grizzlick in. I really like his game, but um, I could see how might not be optimal for the playoffs. I would be tempted myself to have Clifton as the seventh defenseman, although he had that brilliant defensive play last night where he just eviscerated a guy going hard to the net. Um, my personal choice would be Grizzlick in, Clifton out, but there's that lefty-righty balance going on, and um, there's also the power play considerations. Grizzlick can play on the power play. Maybe he can get them going as well. So that would be my top six, as my top 12 in terms of forwards. We're going to talk about the goaltending situation here in one moment, but I want to thank you once again for making Locked On Bruins part of your day. We are free and available on your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Get the latest episode as soon as it's available. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I got another question from Wes Westcott on Instagram. He said, hey, buddy, great job with the show. Been listening since the summer of 21. Thank you so much, Wes, for the ongoing support. Quick mailbag question. You mentioned on the show the other day that the Bruins, despite having two very capable netminders, would likely be going with Allmark as their number one for the playoffs. Would you please explain why a team would not utilize a tandem goalie duo, especially when, statistically, you may have two of the top five goalies on your roster? Thanks, loving the show, lifelong Bees fan and fellow Canadian, grew up in St. John's, now living in Baltimore. Well, that is a fantastic question, uh, Wes, and theoretically, there shouldn't be any reason why you don't go with a tandem in net. The Bruins do have two of the better goaltenders in the NHL. You have uh, Linus Allmark with a 937 save percentage through 45 appearances. Then you have Jeremy Swayman at 921 in 32 appearances. Both of those goalies among players who play regularly rank in the top five in terms of uh, save percentage. You also have um, the option of running with Linus Allmark, who's been the best goaltender from day one this season, or you choose to do a bit of a rotation as they have been doing through the regular season. That begs the question, are they succeeding night in and night out because they have that extra day of rest, or is Allmark just a touch better than Swayman and therefore should be playing every night in the playoffs? I tried to look back. I couldn't remember any teams that won the cup with a rotation. Certainly there have been years, even last year, the Colorado Avalanche had both Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francouz. 
making starts, that was more due to injury, I believe. I think back to 2010, the Philadelphia Flyers, they went back and forth between Michael Layton and Brian Boucher, came very close to winning the Cup. That's the only example I could think of. Now, I think just the common approach is that you pick your number one goalie and you run with him through the playoffs. Linus Allmark, Vesna Trophy winner, any team would say, he's your number one guy, give him all the starts, and trust in his league-leading numbers. The Bruins, of course, have the luxury of a Jeremy Swayman, who's not quite playing at the same level as Allmark, but still one of the better goaltenders statistically in the NHL this season. In all reality, I can envision both guys getting starts. I don't think it will be a set rotation. But if Allmark lays an egg in one game, you could see Swayman coming in in relief or getting the start following that. But then it's like, do you trust Allmark enough to rebound after perhaps a poor performance. Let's say Allmark starts game one against Pittsburgh and they lose 6-0. Heaven forbid. Do you come back with him, trust his track record this season, or do you hand the baton to Jeremy Swayman? It's a good problem to have for Jim Montgomery and the Boston Bruins, but at the end of the day, I would... Give Allmark game one start and put your trust in him because he has been the best goalie in the NHL all season long. If he falters, if he gets injured, you know that you have a very capable starter in Jeremy Swayman, but I'd be very surprised if they do a full-on This guy plays the odd games. This guy plays the even games in the series. Um, It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen in in today's NHL. Um, Maybe Jim Montgomery decides to throw out the, uh, not the rule book per se, but throw conventional wisdom to the wind and do this rotation in the playoffs. But generally, you go with your close to as a plus lineup as possible. And right now, Allmark is the better option of two very good options. All right, that is it for today's episode, my friends. Thank you so much to Caleb and Wes for sending in those questions. Again, I'm not getting too worked up over last night's game against the Predators. That was a desperate team fighting for their lives. Um, The Bruins still should have won, clinched the President's Trophy, set that team record. Team record and the President's Trophy will happen. They still need, uh, what, six wins in their remaining eight games in order to set the um, all-time wins record. And... uh, some challenging games on tap. So that might not happen, but 
in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter all that much. What matters most is in the playoffs. Not to take away from the regular season, but you know what I mean. All right, everybody. I hope you are having a great week. Please do take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you again here tomorrow on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day.